Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. My first time here, and I'm so thankful for all you do to help those with SA and their partners. My SA husband and I are 11 months out from discovery and nine months out from therapeutic disclosure. We're both seeing CSATs and we feel we're doing well in our journey of healing and recovery. That's fantastic. However, sometimes I get flooded with feelings. So this is from the betrayed partner. This is too good to be true. I mean, this in regard to how well my partner's recovery is going. I feel this is a trauma response in me because I have no suspicions prior to discovery, but I feel hurt that this doubt makes it hard to embrace the progress in our lives. How do I address this feeling that this is too good to be true? Thanks in advance. Tammy, what are your Well, I, it's challenging. So so first of all, um, I, like I hate to take away any of the, you know, the lovely feelings, um, but this is a journey. And this is like, there's, so a, a couple of years ago, I hiked the Grand Canyon. There's a point to this, but, um, um, but I took this picture of the, of the journey, like I was up by that point. And it's, it's a beautiful Vista path, but that was a hard, hard, hard hike. And I thought, and I used, I wrote a blog about this is the analogy for my recovery journey is, you know, yes, I have these moments where it's just like amazing, but the other aspect of it for me in my blog was there's always been people along the way. So one of the things, um, and I, I don't want you to shame or, or take, you know, take the hurt on for you, but, um, but like usually partners, you know, are about 18 months behind or 12 to 18 months behind, you know, on the, on the recovery journey. So what I hear is somebody who at 11 months from discovery, nine months from, um, from formal therapeutic disclosure is, is in a kind of a pink cloud. We call that in recovery. So, so I, I, I think, um, journaling is what comes to mind for me is like journal and journal what you really are, not overthink it, just journal and see what comes out of that. Share that in a support. We have the drop-in groups on sex and relationship healing.com. Hopefully you're working, you know, yeah, you say we're both seeing your CSATs. I would take that to the CSAT. So enjoy, you know, some of that, but also don't trust like he's already shown you that he isn't hundred percent trustworthy. So you'll never be able to quite as naively. And that's not a bad thing, you know, trust, but you can have a better, deeper, more open relationship. So that's, a, so, so it's great, but be a little cautious. And I really encourage you to, you know, to, to, uh, you know, do journaling is so huge because you, you just what you pour out, you know, can be truer than what your brain lets you think about. Well, um, I, I, I always think about what it's very, very useful to reflect in journal. Tammy, I have journals going back to 1985 when I first entered the program. I actually have notes. Went to my first meeting. Don't like wow. it. will never come back. Like I, that I swear to God. And Thank I have another God one. You didn't listen to yourself. <laughs> I have another one that says, 
you know, this is 1986. You know, I really think that something that's really needed is a program to help people with this. And if I ever get to that point, I'd like to start one. And that was all, isn't that amazing? Oh, I mean, wow. I can't believe I, anyway, I'll send it to you sometime. It makes me yeah. cry. Um, so I want to, I want to back up to what Tammy said, which is regardless of how your spouse is doing, you've been violated. You've been perpetrated. You are a victim and nobody likes to be a victim, but you've been victimized by the lying, by the secrets, by the acting out. And so just because your partner's doing well for the last nine months didn't mean they, well, sorry, they still lied to you for 12 years. They still cheated on you, they still hurt you. And so the idea, and and you'll never look at them in the same way. You know, I often say this, which is there is a naive sense in a good way that when you commit to someone in a marriage or committed that that they would never deliberately go out in the world and do something to hurt you. What I want to believe about the people that I love is when they go out in the world, they always have my back and they would never do anything that they know would hurt me. Well, now you know that this person you're loved, who you're committed to, and however long you've been together, they can go out in the world and without thinking, go do things that they know will hurt you and then come back and pretend that they didn't happen. So I can get sober in nine months but I bet this person has a whole lot of work to do on who they are and how, they, I mean, it, the work doesn't end with stopping that behavior. It starts with stopping the behavior. So whoever, this partner has a lot more work to do. And just because they're going to things and they have some time sober, that doesn't mean they don't have a whole lot of work ahead of them. And in, in mirroring that, it's way too early for you to, in fact, I think you're doing really well. Um, I have spouses who say, you know, I'm angry every single day and I'm never going to, you know, you've all, it's only been nine months, you know, it's 11 months since you found out it hasn't even been a year. One of the things I write about in out of the doghouse about the men is they all think it should be over in six weeks or why are you still angry at me? It's been nine months or it could be a year and a half, you know, it's going to take time. And I think the best thing you can do is be really patient with yourself. I also didn't see anything, Tammy, two things about going to any of the partners groups because no, I think so working sit, with a CSAT, yeah, which is great. But we offer 19 groups a week with with nothing but therapists who volunteer their time, and a number of them are for spouses. And I say to spouses all the time: if you don't want to be seen, you know, cover your camera. If you don't want to be heard, you can mute yourself. But just listen to the wisdom of those people and the anger who are working on it, because it's 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 what I hear you doing is comparing your recovery to his recovery or, and I would rather you looked at yourself in terms of the other people who are going through what you're going through. Cause for you to go to support group and for someone to say, it's been a year and a half and I freaking hate them. It'll make you feel better that you're not alone or it's been three years, but I, all of a sudden I'm thinking about that again. It, it's a trauma. It's a trauma and trauma doesn't just disappear or get better because that incident has, is not happening anymore. It sits in your body and your soul and your brain. So all I can say to you is I think you should be really more compassionate with yourself and kinder with yourself. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I would hate it if the addict in your life is saying anything like, when are you going to go over this? Or you seem angry all the time or, you know, it's or not look there. how good I'm doing. I hear right. that one all the time. Yeah, yeah, look how well I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, Tammy, do we do we still do or when do we do our trade partners group? Because to me, this is a perfect situation for someone to go to that that educational support group. It'll start again in January. It's a six a six week long live facilitated. So these are not just watching videos. Uh, work group. Uh, Angela Spearman does a great job 
it's from a pro-dependent lens. Um, they are via Zoom, they're low cost, $350 for the entire six week course. So um, that would be great. And if he hasn't already done like Sex Addiction 101, that or would out be- Out of the doghouse. Uh, or out of the doghouse would be a really good one. Mm -hmm. We have the inner child um, that will start again after the first of the year, the um, attachment wounds. Uh, we've got so many great work groups on seekingintegrity.com to support the journey, not just the, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's a challenge, which is what sex addiction 101 or porn addiction 101 is, but, um, but the ongoing, you know, recovery process and journey. And, and, you know, when Tammy says through pro-dependent lens, that means when we're working with partners, we don't say, what did you do that you could have done differently? Or I say to spouses all the time, and those of you who want to write this down, it's worth writing down. Um, there's nothing that I have ever done. There's nothing I've ever done. There's nothing that I'm doing now. And there's nothing I could ever do to make someone else act out, whether it's drinking, using, sexing. There's nothing I've ever done. There's nothing I'm doing now. And there's nothing I could ever do to make someone else act out. If you and I are fighting and I think you're fat and ugly and mean, you don't want to have sex with me, I can divorce you. I can leave you. I can go, you know, bike riding. But the decision to go have sex with another person or have an affair because I'm unhappy in my relationship is mine. There is nothing that you can do to make that happen ever, ever, the period, the end. So when we're talking about betrayed partners groups, it's about things like setting good boundaries for yourself and how to figure out sexuality and should you and shouldn't you and when and how and what to do with your anger and how to grieve this kind of, you know, it's about that, but it's never to say what's wrong with you that you ended up with this situation. That's not how we look at it. So just want to say that. Thanks, Tammy. That was great. Okay, so the next one, I am a 62-year-old. My mother was, bless her heart, as she died three weeks ago, quite crazy. I started with um, MB addiction. What's MB addiction? Marrow. Addiction at five, uh, five years Masturbation. Old. Oh, oh, okay. All right, thank you. It started PA um, porn addiction at about seven years old. Married 34 years, but have not shared bedroom with my wife for 32 years, no sex, wow. no relationship. I'm about a hundred days sober for the first time in my life, 57 years of trying to quit these addictions with no success until these hundred days. Wife does not know about the addictions, no DDA spiritual advisor convinced me that I can stop and that I better take stopping seriously. No disclosure. Of course, listen to Tammy and took the 12 steps to the step of making amends, no therapy, no 12 step support program, just going on on my own. How can I make amends to my wife when she doesn't even know about my problems? It is my hope that with sobriety, I can start to grow up emotionally. And you can from the five-year-old emotional state that I probably at. Maybe with permanent sobriety, I can grow up and actually build a relationship. Yes. Do you think this is possible? Yes. Or am I off? Permanent. The watch out for that word permanent. Yeah. Well, Because all I have is today. So Yes. A daily reprieve but you got a hundred days so there, of daily reprieve. There is no permanent sobriety. There is a commitment. There's a, there's a, I'm sorry, I mean to correct you. It's just, no, I, I don't want anyone not. to think that it. you can do this yeah. and be done. Mm -hmm. um, there can be a permanent commitment. There can be a permanent effort, but the actual outcome, you know, we cannot predict that. The whole one day at a time thing really is, I am sober today and I can't worry about next week and last week is over. So can you get through today um, without acting out. That's as much. And after all these years, that's as much as I expect from myself. I never know when someone's going to walk up and I, you know, but I can get through this day. Um, so I, I don't, I'm not sure how to answer this because 
Um, let me just look for a second. Um, do you see anything about it? Okay, no therapy, no trial. I was going to say, don't do own. disclosure. So really you're like, asking the wrong yeah. question, yeah. which is you're asking about, I don't know, I want to think of a, a good way of saying this. I love metaphors. It's like your 16-year-old saying, you know, I want to drive across the country in your car, but I've never had a driving lesson. You know, do you think I can make it to New York from California? You need to learn, and then you need to follow the rules, and then you need to know how to follow them, and then you need other people. To... There is such a long process. You move to, you're like five steps ahead when you haven't done two, three, and four. And I'm not talking about the 12 steps. I'm thinking about, you're asking about, I don't know how to say it. it there is unless you do this work that's ahead of you therapy if you can afford it whatever certainly 12 step we have a lot of free groups you know as tammy said we have a sex addiction 101 a porn addiction 101 there are a lot of things you can do um but if you're not active in this process then you're just dumping first of all your wife's going to find out at some point she's going to find out number two you're going to have no support for any of that whether she finds out or whatever because you have no support we cannot do this alone um, none of us, you might get a year, you might get six months, you might, but this is what you're doing is what we call white knuckling, which is you're grabbing onto the table and you're saying, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And everything about recovery is letting go. It's about saying, I, I could do this anytime. And I have to be committed to something in order to not, and it's not, I'm not going to be able to do it alone. And I'm going to need a lot of support. So the very things that keep you sober permanently, you're not doing. And so why would you ever want to go to your spouse? By the way, she might say, oh, what are you doing for support? What are you going to say then? Oh, I've just got this. You know, so you're, I think you got the cart ahead of the horse. You're not ready yourself to tell anyone anything because you don't have the, the, the foundation underneath you to manage that if and when you do. Um, so I don't think that uh, you cannot make amends to someone when they don't know about the, about the problems. Um, besides the whole thing about spiritual or something else, no deed, no disclosure, spiritual, spirit, a spiritual advisor convinced me that I can stop and I better take stopping seriously. Okay. If you're going to take stopping seriously, go to 12 step meetings, go to educational groups, like the ones we have, go to support groups, get a therapist. If you are taking this seriously, seriously is not, mm, I'm going to try harder. No, no, I'm going to try, try harder. Oh, by the way, can I do my try thing, Tammy? Let's see if I can do this. Okay. Can you tell me to try to, to to drop the, go ahead. Try to drop that. Try really hard. Okay, I'm try really trying. really, try. really hard. I, I am it. trying my best. You're, you're not making it. So. Now, well, it's stuck to my hand. Now what do I do? <laughs> try harder. I did. I tried as hard as I can. If I was there, I'd take it out of your hand because I would help you. I would help you. So the next step is drop it. Mm-hmm. and notice that there was movement, there was action, there wasn't any thinking, and there wasn't any trying, there was actually doing. And I see a lot more thinking than I do doing. And by the way, if your wife ever finds out, she's going to want to know what group do you go to? What are you doing about this? How are you handling this? And by the way, yeah, so I could talk and talk forever, but I will say that I don't think you're keeping your side of the street clean enough to take any step toward her. Um, yeah. So I put the Sex Addiction 101 Level 1 work group that starts December 5th. That's on the Seeking Integrity site. And this is a porn addict, there. so we also have a porn addiction oh, one, Oh, right? yeah. So we do have a porn addiction one. So I didn't put that, but it's on the same link. And then you know okay. what? 
you said it, you're, you know, you're emotionally a five-year-old, like it's a process of growing up, you know, and you can't, you know, you can't go from five to writing your college thesis in, you know, in a hundred days. So it is a process. (laughs) It it is a process and you need support. You need teachers. Like you, when you went to school and you had teachers teach you how to do stuff, that's what peer groups are. That's what a qualified professional is. You know, an addiction is a mental health condition. You know, it is, it is, this is not just a choice or using the spiritual stuff. It's not just sin. It is like, we have, our brain thinks different. My brain still thinks different. And I've been doing this recovery thing for a while. And, but I know how to interrupt that. I know when I'm going, oh, that's not really a great choice, but I've learned, but you know what? I had to be taught. I had to have help, you know, to do that. I don't know anybody who successfully has you know, white knuckled it for any kind of long period of time with any kind of quality of life. That's the other thing. Like I've seen very miserable people who were abstinent. That's it. They were abstinent. They were not living in recovery. So um, uh, I did put one one more thing. Guys who want help, you know, we have a, you know, we have a program who at Seeking Integrity is 14, 21 or 28 day length of stay we help with all of the issues that you're struggling with. And you know, we have support for partners um, from a pro-dependent lens. So. so what do we got? Okay, the next one. In early recovery, how do I know if my essay husband is no longer acting out and isn't just hiding it better? I've seen him making a huge change, changing his phone number, deleting social media, stopping the use of marijuana, listening to your podcast, et cetera. And he goes to um, two to uh, four 12 step meetings per week and is seeing a CSAT weekly, but I still find signs of acting out here and there, lying, hiding money, talking with coworkers about nude photos of women mm-hmm. they both know. And oh, yeah, both of nude photos of women they know. And sh- that shatters me every time. Mm. Okay, well, let me make this very clear. Your husband is still acting out. You don't have to wait and find out. Somebody who's hiding money, chatting up, co-workers that they've shared nude photos with or or talking to other co-workers about nude photos of women they both know first of all you should be shattered i would be shattered because you're getting you're getting gaslighted someone is telling you oh no i'm in recovery and i'm really doing well it's just these little things that is addiction you know who think about it who lies hides money and chats up their co-workers about nude pictures that i mean forget me too and all of that like why would anyone be doing that? Why would a 35, 50-year-old man be sitting around looking at porn with their coworkers? So to me, this would not be the kind of sobriety that I would want. And Tammy talked about circle plans, which is something we do in the courses and in treatment where you really sit down and look at what is my bottom line that is absolutely unacceptable to me. Because remember, this is like an eating disorder. We don't want someone to never eat again. We wanted to find what is healthy for them. And in our arena, we wanted to find what is healthy sex. We don't want them to eliminate sex. But there is no way in God's earth that sharing nude photos and lying and hiding money would ever be a part of my recovery. So I agree. I'd be shattered and upset, but not just about that part. I'd be shattered and upset about the whole thing. Like, how can this person say they're not acting out when they're doing these things? Um, It doesn't make any sense. Now, maybe he's convinced himself that he's not acting out, 
But you came here and you asked this question and makes sense to me that you don't feel entirely safe. I'm glad he deleted the phone numbers. I'm glad he deleted the social media. I'm glad he stopped getting high. I'm glad he's listening to my podcast. It's pretty good. Um, I'm glad that he's going to 12-step meetings and he's seeing a CSAT that's all terrific, but he's still acting out. Um, just the fact that he's doing something that horrifies you and makes you feel awful, um, that's enough, you know? Um, but this is icky and uncomfortable. By the way, I don't know if it's true or not, because we never, we never really know, but he's seeing a CSAT. Is he telling the CSAT that he's looking at these images, that he's chatting up sex workers? That is, because, you know, we always, oh, I have a CSAT. I'm going to meetings. Yeah, but what are you telling them? You know, I have so many guys, Tammy says this, who come back and say, well, my therapist said, well, yeah, but what did you say to them? Or is that really what they said? Because addicts love. And they lie to manipulate us and therapy, us poor therapists. Well, my therapist said, or I told my therapist, oftentimes we did none of that, none of that but you, well, you're, oh, I guess if your therapist said it. So um, I would not feel comfortable with this situation at all. And I'm so glad you're here asking questions. And I can just hear the other spouses uh, frustration all the way through over here from thinking how they would have to deal with this and how angry they are that you've been talked into this being recovery. So I feel yeah. badly for you. I'm a little angry at him. That's my take. Well, I do because I was like, I, I am 100% confident he's not going to see that and going, yeah. And, you know, I was looking at nude photos of coworkers that I know. I mean, right. like, <laughs> um, and my wife is really upset with it. Do you think she should be? You know? Yeah, no. Okay. So I don't you know what I'll he is. I'm sorry. Right. You know what but, he, you know what your spouse is saying to a CSAT? I guarantee it. Uh, I don't know if this is a woman. Yeah, I think this is a woman talking about her husband. You know, she nags me all the time. And it's like, what I'm doing is never enough. Now, I, you know, whatever I say, she's still angry. She's upset. You know, I, I, the stuff I have, I mean, I, in other words, I can imagine that, that what is coming back about you is stuff that's being said that isn't true to the therapist. It's so easy for us to complain. And our therapist, listen, oh, you poor person. We're lying. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry. I want you to, okay. Tammy, to say that word that's coming next. Just say I was going to say, I'm going to catotronophilia associated with exhibitionism. Right. So that is something we learned in sex school. That's why I have a PhD in human sexuality. Then why didn't you say it? You should have I will, said but it. I want, I can't <laughs> say it. I don't know how to say it. I just know what it means. It's people who are yeah. self-arousing in front of mirrors. Oh, so it's someone okay. who is engage enough with their own image and aroused enough that they're not looking at porn, they're looking at themselves. Um, is it associated with exhibitionism? I don't know the answer to that question, but I would think it's not because exhibitionists want to be seen by other people. Part of what they get off on is the shock value. Like, oh, what did I just see? And they kind of get off on that, unfortunately. This is not exhibitionism. This is, you know, uh, not that. And I can think of some things it might be related to emotionally, psychologically, you know, but I, I'm not a therapist for you or your family. But I will simply say that, and here's the thing I tell all the therapists, how many of you know this? Therapists write me all the time. How do I do this? Where do I, how do I learn about fetishes? How do I learn? And my answer, I'm very, and I give them answers, but guess where I get them? While I'm talking to them, I go on Google, I put, type it in. I would type in recovery from, what is this about? I would type it into YouTube. I would, you know, try to find, you know, you spouses, try to find information, find out everything you can about this. Um, as hard as it is to say, I bet there's a lot of resources out there to learn about it. 
from um, qualified people because like there's yes, a lot of junk oh, well, out there course. too. So, so yeah. But, but unqualified people wouldn't know how to spell that. Well, there you <laughs> I'm go. Just kidding. Okay. So we've got two more questions and we started a little bit late. So hang in there okay. with me. Okay. Can it, it be difficult to get to help an essay who is in fantasy voyeurism and exhibitionism? Well, I think we kind of answered that question, which is voyeurism and exhibitionism are some of the hardest compulsive behaviors to stop. And so it, it's not difficult to help a sex addict if they're committed, if they're working on themselves. It would be difficult for a spouse to help an essay. By the way, I don't know if this is a partner or not, but... yes. So something I worry about, and Tammy, I, you can correct me on this, but when spouses are asking about how does the other person figure this out, that worries me. You know, I do these consultations. They're two hours. I sit with couples and help them try to figure things out. And I know how this couple is doing because I say to the spouse, well, who made this phone call to set this up? I did. Well, who found the information about me and Rob and his work? I did. Well, who read the books? I did. Who listened to the podcast? I did. And that worries me when it's the spouse who has all this information, all this knowledge, and they are dragging the addict through the process. This is someone who should be able to say to you, you know, I'm struggling with, you know, I'm struggling with voyeurism and exhibitionism. And let me tell you the difficulties, the positive, what I need to do, who I need to see. You shouldn't have to figure out this out. They should come to you. Um, but if you really, really want to figure it out, there's a lot of, lot of information online and Tammy gave, and I gave you two really good resources for sexual offending behavior. And again, um, people may engage in offending behaviors in a compulsive manner. That doesn't mean they're a sex addict. If you said to me, someone is into voyeurism and exhibitionism, and they didn't know anything else, like they didn't look at porn, they didn't pick people up, they didn't hook up, they didn't, then I would, I don't know if they're a sex addict. What I know is they have a compulsive sexual offending problem. Um, I don't know whether it's addiction or not. We don't always call compulsive offending behaviors an addiction. So I would so need the, more information. Yeah. Go ahead, Tim. So the, the last question, I've watched you for two years and learned that I should never threaten, this is from a partner, threaten to leave unless I'm really going to do it. I've gotten stronger by writing myself to leave my PA uh, boyfriend, mm -hmm. the more we go through this repeating cycle of slips in his promises to change and doing recovery work. But what keeps me staying is that he says when he's made a mistake, he backpedals and thought he wanted to, he wanted to end our relationship during these slips, but then tells me he loves me and he just doesn't know what he wants, but he loves me and only wants to be with me forever. Um, we've been together since we were 19 years old when we were together for almost 20 years. I've spent half of my life with him and only know this life. And I'm not the one they wanted to ever end the relationship. So I'm having a hard time listening to him and his regret mistakes and then trying to be supportive partner because I just feel like I've been dumped over and over again. How do I cope with these slips? Well, um, I think the words that other spouses would use is gaslighting and manipulation. There is no reason why someone who's struggling with recovery should then follow it by, but I really love you, but I'm not sure if I want to be with you, but I really care about you. And then when I slip it, it has nothing to do with you. You know, if this person is committed to change, they're committed to change. And if they're not committed to change, they're not committed to change. And that part has nothing to do with you. And whether he feels like he loves you one day or hates you the next day or wants to be with you, that has nothing to do with recovery. But what I do think is here is a lot of manipulation. And I think you're falling for it. I understand. I have spent, is it half my life? Um, I understand 
what it's like to spend 30 years or 20 years with someone and to have spent more time with them than you did your family of origin. I can't imagine at this point in my life what it would be like to not be with that person. But, you know, the question is, am I able to come to peace in these circumstances? Do they, does it drive me crazy? Am I, am I losing a focus on myself and what I need and want in order to, I mean, you, you know, this person, this is the dog, what is it? The tail's wagging the dog. You know, it's, he's going this way and you're following him and he's going this way and you're following him and you're wondering what your part is and he's manipulating you and whether he loves you or not. Um, these aren't mistakes. These are actions that are taken without enough support for change. And I do hear him say, and this whole, he made a mistake thing. So again, I hear a lot of manipulation. Like if I say it this way, I will confuse her or I will challenge her. And maybe she'll put her anger aside because after I, I told her it was just a mistake. And besides, I really love you. And what does it have to do with his struggle and what he is choosing to do about it? Um, so I think that you, again, I don't see anything about anything. It's all he, lip service. It's all, I, he's saying, he's, make, he's making promises. He tells me he loves me. There is not. And here he's seeing a qualified professional. He's gone to our PA 101 work group. He's going to, you know, six, you know, a PA or You're PA saying things he's not process. doing. Correct. Right. I, I don't read anything. It's just the lip service. So, so I'm going to be really like, it's going to sound harsh, but you know, 20 years from now, he can be doing the same thing. We hear this all the time. So, so uh, two years from now, are you okay with him continuing the cycle? You said, I've been listening to this stuff for two years. Great. You know, you're getting stronger. Great. It's not what his lips are saying. That's lying and gaslighting. What are his actions telling you? And if he is, you know, with this backpedaling, it's not even backpedaling. He you know, he may go a period of time of abstinence. There is no recovery plan. There is no sobriety plan. I don't hear anything in what you've shared of here's all the work he's doing. We've got a treatment program. Be, be perfect. He's been doing this stuff for 20 plus years. You know, we can help. That would show a sign of commitment. That would show action. All of this other stuff is just pretty words. Um, I just wanted to add one thing, which is, yeah, I mean, you're, moods and your sense of self and your hope and your love are riding up and down based on what he is or isn't doing. And that has to happen for you. You have to find your own balance and peace. And by the way, I do want to say something about, I say not to leave. Um, you don't have to leave to sleep in separate bedrooms. You don't have to leave to tell someone to sleep on the couch. You don't have to leave to say, I don't want to see you come back in a week when you've got your shit together. Um, you don't, it doesn't have to be, I'm leaving forever and that's it. And you can take steps toward protecting yourself in various ways without it being the end. You know, this is not black and white, but it is about what you say is I'm having a hard time. Um, I'm trying to be supportive, but I'm being dumped all over again. How do, how do I cope with the slips? How, that's a question for you. You know, how do you want to cope with someone causing you pain? Um, you don't have to walk out on them, but you can certainly put them out for a while and at least don't give them the benefit of, of the good parts of living in the house with you. You know, they can eat alone. They can watch TV. You can go out. You can take care of yourself. You know, you don't have to go all the way to leaving in order to make yourself feel better and distance yourself from what feels like a lot of manipulation. 
And by the way, are you in a partners group? Are you going to the trade partners group? Are you are you in therapy? What are you doing to support yourself? Because you are being victimized as you write this um, by someone who says they love you. And by the way, the last thing, I do believe that our partners love us. I do. I think that they are not able to sustain or hold on to that love because they are so broken. But interestingly, when we start to move even an inch or two away from them as partners, boy, are they, oh my God, what was I doing? And I, you know, but when we stay where we are and let them continue to walk all over us or convince us or gaslight us, they don't have any motivation for change. Um, I don't, I don't but, need to change if I can keep doing, I'm still going to act out and I still get you and I'm still going to, oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. And 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 I'll say one more thing because Tammy, boundaries are not to make him, you know, you kick him out, you set, they're not to change anything in him. Boundaries are to make yourself feel supported, feel like you're, to make sure you're not being dumped on over and over again, or you're not being like, it, boundaries to make sure you are safe and you're not losing your mind. It's not to make him do anything. And that's the piece about codependence. You know, you can love someone and care about them and understand why you were with them and still say, this isn't safe for me, you know, and that's, that's pro-dependent. Mm -hmm. You still love them, but you're not going to pull up with the crap and that's mm -hmm. fine. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.